All right, welcome back to the Stranded Phase podcast. And today we're going to do something a little different. I am your host, Jessica Hurley. And typically on this podcast, we do a lot of motivation, a lot of empowerment, a lot of things around where your mindset needs to be if you expect to be successful in starting a business or leveling up in business. Understand that we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded phase and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. All right, welcome back to the Stranded Phase podcast. And today we're going to do something a little different. I am your host, Jessica Hurley. And typically on this podcast, we do a lot of motivation, a lot of empowerment, a lot of things around where your mindset needs to be if you expect to be successful in starting a business or leveling up in business. But what we don't talk about enough is the legalities behind starting a business or having legal issues after getting started and it being too late and the ins and outs and the structures necessary in entrepreneurship and leading a successful business. And so I wanted to bring that to you. I've actually wanted to bring that to you for a while. And it just so happens I was invited to an amazing woman's event and ran into a Tampa rock star, beautiful woman that is running her own law firm. And I am so excited to have her on the podcast because she is so knowledgeable in this arena. And I think this is something for all of you, whether you've already started or you're just getting started, or you've got that subconscious idea in your mind that you know it's time to start in 2019, I think this girl is going to bring you all the knowledge that you need to know. So without further ado, I want to welcome and say a big thank you to Selma Binkaboo. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Yay, thank you so much. Of course, <laughs> it's my pleasure. Listen, I know you You are such a rock star. You walked in and I was like, oh, this girl is drop dead gorgeous. And then you opened your mouth and I was like, cut it out. Like, <laughs> Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> so thank you so much. Kind of, You have kind of coined, I love, love, love your Instagram handle. You have coined this millennial biz lawyer term. And I think this is so necessary because I meet so many people in business that have thriving businesses that are making hundreds and thousands of dollars already. And I don't think any of us ever think of what some things that come up might could be. You know, we don't think about the bad. We don't think about it until it happens. And then you have to hire a lawyer. And some people say you're not successful until you have to hire a lawyer. So <laughs> you know, it's so funny that that's such a huge misconception and a myth because a lot of times people think, oh, I hire a lawyer when something goes wrong. And that is absolutely the worst time to have to hire a lawyer. I mean, obviously you should if something does go wrong. But I always advise uh, small business owners or any business owners that the sweet spot to hire a business attorney is right after you're done with your business plan and right before you start executing it. And I think that will put you at such a, an advantage, not only from an intellectual property standpoint and protecting your creativity creativity and your creative greatness is what I call it, but also making sure that you're set on a solid legal foundation. I see so many different mistakes of people relying on the wrong experts for the legal stuff, which it's a little alarming, to be honest with you. It's, it's almost as if you're going to the wrong doctor mm. um, that doesn't do the same type of specialty. So you're going to an eye doctor for an ear infection. 
So, you know, it's, it's very alarming. And I see so many people doing that. So I love to educate and I love to be able to provide this kind of insight for people who may not have access to business lawyers or lawyers in general. So most of them, if you ask them why they have not started in business yet, it's typically because of finances. So I think somebody listening to this probably said, okay, I'm getting ready to sit down and write out my business plan and I can't even afford to market, much less hire a lawyer. So what does that even look like for someone that that sounds like the most daunting thing to do right now? So what I typically tell people who say they don't have the money for the legal stuff is a budget. So part of your business plan is having a budget, right? So you have your operations budget, you have your marketing budget, you should also include in there legal budget. And typically that is something that a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs already account for because they've already made those mistakes. They understand how, you know, expensive they can be when they're when they hire an attorney when something does happen. So, when you really think of the cost that you're saving by setting a, a solid legal foundation for yourself and your business on the onset, it really is insignificant to uh, an amount of litigation which typically starts at five figures and can go up to six. Small business owners are one, you know, uh, litigation away from going under. So if you're going to put all of your, you know, savings, all of your heart, you know, your sweat, blood and tears into your business, it makes sense to protect it because you're taking your business seriously. If you don't take your business seriously, like no one else will, including a court of law, right? Ooh, when I saw you talk the first time, I was like, oh, I got to get my life together. And everybody around me has to get their life together. You know, it's a process and and people always say, oh my God, you know, after I typically educate them on the things they need to have, they'll say, I haven't done any of this stuff. So what does this mean for me? Well, if nothing has gone wrong yet, then you're still in a sweet spot because I can still help you, right? We can, I might have to undo some of the things that you've already done yourself or you hired the wrong expert to do. So it's still going to be a little bit more expensive, but it's not going to be nearly as much as it would be in the event that there is litigation or you're a defendant. Because the worst case scenario for a small business owner is to be subject to a lawsuit as a defendant, because at that point, you don't have a choice but to hire a lawyer because you have to defend yourself in court. Otherwise, the other side is going to win by default. And so you don't want to put yourself in that kind of situation where you're not actually budgeting for it. At least when you hire a lawyer on the front end and you set on a solid legal foundation, you understand the typical things that are going to penetrate your business. You are at least aware of some of the ways in which you can protect yourself in the event litigation does happen so that the other side makes an informed decision and probably will second guess themselves in terms of suing you so that they understand that they probably don't have a winning position, right? You're creating all the legal leverage on the front end. And so if you do that for yourself, you're really set to to put yourself in the position to win. And the other side is probably going to make the business decision that this doesn't make sense for them to pursue you because more than likely they're going to lose in court. So that makes so much sense. So I think about your perspective and your side. How annoying is it when 90% of your clients come to you and it's almost too late? They've been in business for four to five, 10 years, already have an issue, and you're like, this could have been resolved with something this simple. It's not so much annoying, it's more so disheartening, and it, and it really, I feel what they're going through because, you know, running my own practice, it's a business for me. It's my own blood, sweat, and tears that go into it, so I can only imagine what it would feel like to feel that I could have done something to prevent myself from going under, and I chose not to invest in that particular thing. I mean, typically, if you've been in business for five years, you are healthy enough that you can allocate some funds to the legal stuff, right? Mm. So you really don't have an excuse at that point. I always tell people, if you're going to spend a lot of money on marketing and the aesthetics of your of your brand, what good is it if you're not able to keep it? What good is it if you have to rebrand? 
what good is it if you're a defendant for an infringement suit? You know, you have to understand how to allocate your money correctly and how to, you know, make sure that you're setting enough money aside for the stuff that really matters. You know, your intellectual property is how you maintain your competitive edge in the market. So if you miss some deadlines, if you're not on top of it, then really it's it's just a sad situation. It's not necessarily annoying. It's more just, man, like, I feel like this is this is awful. And a lot of times it, it's due to the fact they don't have mentors to tell them what it is that they need to do. Typically, successful businesses have mentors that actually provide them with resources and that give them the advice of, hey, you don't want to go register your LLC by yourself because more than likely you didn't do it the right way. This is where you should invest your money. And a lot of times if you don't have that, you're, you, you find out the hard way. Oh, so I have so many questions. So I want to go back to when you said earlier that most people think they hire a lawyer when they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people green in business are thinking like, well, I'm new to this, I'm not spending much money, and I'm not going to do anything wrong, so why do I need a lawyer? But perfect example to what you're explaining on a smaller level, I have a, I host a mastermind. I do it three times a year, and we were calling around for locations earlier this year, and we called a hotel, and he said, so what's the name of the event? And we told him, and he was like, oh, the fitness group, that's so great, da 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 you guys are back. And I was like, the what? And he said, the fitness group, this is the fitness group. And I was like, no. And he goes, Oh, well, I've heard of them before they've been here. So instantly I hang up the phone and look them up. We have the exact same name Wow. for what we call our women's group. And so this is a situation, correct, where if she felt like she could come after me and she registered before me, this could be an issue, right? Well, with trademarks, it's who the first in use is the first in right in the U.S. Mm. So whoever uses it first has the first priority, right? But you don't even want to put yourself in a situation where you have to go and defend your trademark, right? Because at that point, you're coming out with a lot of money. Uh, typically, for a trademark infringement case, bare minimum retainer is $20,000. Um, for me picking so, the same name and that person feeling like I infringed on their marketing and their... Let's just say, for example, they felt that it was worth their while to pursue you. But typically, for someone where they're a bigger guy and they're coming after a little guy... I mean, there's business strategies that go into the litigation part of it. So they're going to send you a cease and desist first. But let's say you decide to be unreasonable and you don't want to cease and desist, then at that point, they have to go after you. Right. With trademark registrations, once you have it registered, your work doesn't stop there. You actually have to police it. Because if you allow other people to utilize it and coexist in commerce at the same time, you dilute your brand. Mm. And now they have a defense for an infringement suit. So a lot of my clients that have registered marks I actually do a trademark uh, watch for them on a monthly basis where I go in and I look to see if there's anyone else that could possibly either uh, filing a similar trademark that maybe a USPTO examiner didn't necessarily um, look that uh, closely or if there's anyone else that's utilizing it under common law in, in commerce. Because at that point, if I do see something that's similarly confusing to my client's marks, then I have to send a cease and desist on their behalf to make sure that their mark is not being diluted. Okay, so... Is it my responsibility as the registering entity, so let's say I'm going to, I choose to trademark something, and I would think in your market research you would do this, but anyone looking to trademark something, it's their job to look first to see if anyone else owns this or has some has trademarked something like this or is out in the market selling something similar? Absolutely. This. Yeah, I don't just, when, when clients come to me and they say, let's say the perfect client or the ideal client that's just, that hasn't done anything yet, they've just finished their business plan. 
So before I even register their business name under Florida, I want to make sure that it's eligible for registration as a trademark. Not only is it good to do that on the front end, you want to make sure that it's available for you to use it and that you're not infringing. And that analysis is not necessarily just an exact name search, right? Which is what, you know, some biz requires. And right. as long as you're, it's not the exact same thing, you're good to go. Right. So it's a double analysis there. And you might not even be thinking about trademarks at that point, but I do the search anyway. So that way we know, okay, go forth with this branding, utilizing this name or no, let's, let's, you know, let's start from scratch and let's come up with a different name. In fact, I had a client today where we had to do that, but she's in that sweet spot because based on my search, it was just too risky for her. And she made the business decision to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to think of another name. This is so interesting because it's almost like you're, you say hire a lawyer. I hear what you provide. And I think this sounds like a backbone to your business. It is literally the, the structure of your business. So think of it as the pillars of like your house. So if you don't have it, you could probably still live there for a little while, but like any little thing that comes up is going to, the whole thing is gone. This is the house made of straw. Right. (laughs) Wow. I I have like so many examples of of clients that have come to me after they spent thousands of dollars in marketing. Um, And then I have those other clients that are seasoned um, where literally they'll say, hey, this is, we're brainstorming. I need you to do a search for me. Mm. Um, so they don't even want to move forward with that brainstorming session until the brand is actually available um, as a trademark. Wow. So um, that's how, I mean, if you're serious about your brand, that's just what it takes, you know. So, and I understand in terms of budgeting, um, and I understand that it can get very expensive. But if I were to give anybody advice, I would say, you know, look to see how much the fees are and start saving for them. Allocate fees just for the legal budget. And that way you at least have the money ready for when you're ready to, to start your business. There's a lot that goes into being an entrepreneur. Like I, I knew, I know a lot of people just feel like it's a sexy thing to do because it seems cool on Instagram. Oh, start a website and you're good to go. Right. But let me tell you, like, this is no joke. Um, being an entrepreneur will literally test your every emotion that you think you have. That is so um, it'll true. Test, yeah. It'll test things that you didn't even think would, would trigger you. Um, and it, it, it shakes you because it's not something that is conventional. You know, the conventional route is going to school, finishing school and starting a job and, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. You're going against the grain. You have to understand that there's a lot of things that come with that. The idea is you surround yourself with experts that you don't have to bump your head as many times (laughs) as other people. Right. So you learn through other people's mistakes and, and hopefully put yourself in a better position and in a winning position to, to succeed. So let me ask the question. I think everybody always probably ask you, I, I even get this one, when and what do you trademark? So when is it time to trademark and what I've heard you say that some people trademark the craziest thing. Right. Um, so your trademarks vary from company to company, from brand to brand. Um, there's so much more than just name and logo. What I would recommend is that you um, don't try to figure it out on your own because identifying your trademarks is also a legal analysis. I have created a workbook for people to kind of get them to start brainstorming and to thinking about how much is goes into a trademark um, and what actually qualifies as a trademark. So it's kind of hard to explain it verbally without the visuals, but it's essentially anything that identifies the source of origin of your services or your brand, you know, or, or products that you have. 
So it can go, it can be a name, a logo, um, a combination of name and logo. It can be a slogan. Um, it could be a color scheme. It could be a store design. It could be a scent. Um, it could literally be anything that identifies your brand and commerce. Like, for example, when I say um, Allstate, no, you're in good hands. You're probably thinking Allstate, right? Right, right. Or, you know, uh, think of the T-Mobile Magenta or, like, the Tiffany Blue. Mm. So, you know, if you see a little box that has a Tiffany Blue, you're going to think it's from the Tiffany, the jewelers, right? right. Um, you're not going to think it's from, like, a bakery or <laughs> from someone else, right? So these are the things to keep in mind and to understand everything visually that you create. That's why I call it creative greatness. Right you know, could qualify, you know, as a trademark um, if it identifies your brand. Now, if you have graphic designs such as your logo, you know, copyright, you know, also are implicated in that sense as well. So I always tell people, like, invest at least in a consultation to understand what your trademarks that you have. That's why, like, after you're done with your business plan, it's important to go see the attorney. So at least you can budget for the things that you're going to have done. Also, there's legal implications that arise with copyright ownership when you're, you know, hiring third parties to actually create your visuals, right? So you think, oh, I paid so-and-so for a logo, so this must be mine. Well, not really. No, it's not. Um, what? Yeah. So, you know, copyright ownership attaches at the moment that it's created. And unless you have a, an agreement that reserves ownership rights over to you, you know, uh, then it's not yours. You pay them for their service, but you didn't pay them for the intellectual property. So all these people getting logos created on Fiverr, these $20 logos, mm -hmm. what would your suggestion be around that? So I've, I've had logos when I first started out created on Fiverr, and I had them sign an agreement, um, and the, the graphic designer agreed. Granted, with Fiverr, they're, they're somewhere else, but at the same time, I want to make sure that whatever it is that they're creating for me is actually original. I don't want you to go into a pool of graphics and take from there, right? Right. Um, because if you do that, I could cause a likelihood of confusion in commerce if I'm in the same industry. Sorry, my office is downtown. So no. Nope. She's just sitting in a beautiful office outside in downtown Tampa, so there happens to be some ambulances <laughs> passing by, but it's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so... Let's move to Instagram a little bit because now I'm thinking about all these people that are creating stock, taking stock images and or copying images and creating these beautiful um, posters on their stories or their Instagrams. And you, you and I had a conversation at the event where you said that like Instagram, what's coming down the pipeline is going to be really crazy as far as what people can get in trouble for as far you know legalities on Instagram. What's some of the things that you think are coming down the pipeline? I mean. Um what I have seen uh, a lot of is people stealing graphics of graphic designers and then putting them on either uh, like mugs or t-shirts um, and selling them for, for a fee. Um, I have seen people, I, I've had my own photos stolen actually, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of ironic and funny too, because I'm like, out of all people, really me? And that particular account, I think they were almost at 10,000 followers. And I, at first, I was nice. And I said, hey, you're, you're stealing my photos. Do you mind taking them down? And they responded by posting another one. <gasps> Typically, like, what I do is I just have Instagram shut, like, take off the photos um, of the, like, that they're stealing, that they're infringing upon. But I had them take down their whole entire profile because they tried it. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> So I'm like, you can start from scratch. 
because I'm always nice in the beginning until you get to a point where it's just like, all right, you know, now I have to really come out guns blazing so that you take it serious, you know? Um, and I hate to do that a lot of times because I feel like it's a lot of miseducation out there. So even if my clients have the legal leverage, a lot of times I say, you know, you don't want to be that business person that's always coming out guns blazing because you never know when that could be you on the other side. Right. You never know. You don't want to burn bridges, essentially. So I try to tread lightly and I really hone in on the business aspect of things because that's what's important to my client. Um, the legal stuff is there to protect you. And obviously we use it on an as needed basis. But if I were to come out guns blazing on everything, it would just cost my clients a lot more money and it would not resolve anything. And before you know it, you're under and now you're mad at me because I made all this money. Right. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, I serve a higher being than myself. So I just I can't imagine doing that. You know, look at you. Beautiful, <laughs> humble, intelligent, all of the above. Aww. You reposted something a couple weeks ago, and it blew my mind. It was something about Florida being one of the first states to ban a business for buying followers. Oh, yeah. Thank God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so annoying because, you know, really it's deceptive because yes. a lot of times when you go to a profile, let's say, for example, they're selling a product um, and they have a lot of followers. It's validation it's, for the right. customer. Exactly. So for me, I feel like you're kind of cheating the system there. Um, and I, I don't like to represent people that do that. Because you can't um, buy extra customers to walk into your storefront. I always, Yeah, exactly. And I always tell people, I'm like, what good are followers if it doesn't generate any income? Like, right. I don't understand. Like, please help me understand what, where you're going with this, other than the fact that you're putting on a, a facade. Right. Um, and so now you can even see with the engagement, you know, whether or not these people have these followers or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and can't deposit likes in the bank. <laughs> right. Um, so it's just kind of, to me, it's it's very deceptive. It's it's nasty. It's one of those um, things that I'm so glad that Florida is cracking down on it because it's it's a necessity um, because it, we really need to uh, protect our consumers. Do you think that that's going to get worse as we move forward with even small business owners with Instagram banning uh, people that are buying followers and being deceptive about business? Absolutely. I mean, I I believe it was the beginning of last year where the FTC, um, which is the Federal Trade Commission, has started requiring people to actually post on their um, promotional posts that it's an ad. Um, That's why Mm -hmm. sometimes when you see the hashtag ad and it has to be within the first three lines, because a lot of times as you're scrolling, you're not seeing the entire, you know, paragraph or novel as I write. (laughs) Right. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. You can't hide it, you know, at the bottom and say, oh, it's, it's on there. No, they're requiring that you're actually putting the world on notice that it's an ad. And Instagram took it a step further, and now they have where it says paid promotion with XYZ company so that it puts the world on notice that, hey, this sponsored. Is a, right, this is a sponsored post. I'm receiving compensation for this. I see it a lot, uh, a lot of uh, violations with small businesses, specifically in the fitness world. Mm. Where they'll say, oh, you know, this is my client, 28-day plan. They went from, like, you know, a Gatorade to a Coke bottle. Like, (laughs) (laughs) within 28 days, and you're just like, really? Come on. But there's people that believe that. Like, people who have never gone through, like, a fitness journey, they're going to believe that. And so they're going to, you know, buy into your fitness plan or whatever it might be. But that's deceptive, you know. So I always, you know, it's. 
it makes me kind of like cringe and, and, and in a sense makes me a little bit angry that these people are profiting off of other people's insecurities, you know? Yes, that's so true. That's a perfect way to explain it is profiting off of people's insecurities. Yeah. What's like one of the craziest or most unfortunate like cease and desist letters you've ever seen? Like where you were like, it was like really like you were like, oh my God, that's, you know, you didn't mean to do that. That's, that's so bad. Like where it was really painful for your client or someone oh, else. Um, I have one. So my client was the infringer. So she actually hired a graphic designer to design um, the graphic for her journals that she was selling. And she was selling a lot of these journals. I'm talking about like six figures um, amounts, right? Wow. So um, then she sends me like, literally she was, it was, she was crying. She's like, I don't know what to do. I still have all this inventory. Like, I'm not sure. So with, with that particular situation, it's a cease and desist for copyright infringement. Right. And so I asked her, I said, did you have a contract with your graphic designer? Of course, she did not. She didn't know anything about that. Um, so when we reached out to the graphic designer, she said, oh, I just copied that from uh, Pinterest. Yeah, she didn't tweak it. Like it was literally the exact same image. I'm like, girl, like you could have at least got creative a little bit, you know, but no, she was not. So I said, OK, so we got caught with our pants down. Right. So let's figure out what we can do. Now, with copyright um, infringement, let's say the copyright owner didn't register the copyright within three months of publishing that particular graphic or before an infringement occurs, they lose a lot of legal leverage. Mm. So that gave us an advantage because they never um, actually uh, registered the copyright. And in fact, they can't even bring a, an infringement suit in um, federal court without the registration. Got it. Um, so I knew that that was a hurdle for them. So I told her, I said, well, how much do you have left, you know, in inventory? She told me the amount. And I said, look, the litigation is going to cost you this much. You're going to have to take an L on that inventory and just, you know, rebrand, um, with a new graphic. Um, your, your brand is still the same. It's not affected, but the graphic of that particular planner is going to have to be, uh, redesigned. Um, and so she, you know, it was a hard hit for her. But it was an expensive lesson to learn. Mm. But we made ultimately the, the best business decision. And we, even though we had somewhat of a legal leverage to defend ourselves, because we, we could have just been, you know, jerks and said, hey, well, you don't have a registration, so see ya. But that's not, that's not cool, because that artist deserves to be paid. Um, another solution that I offered her to see if she wanted to move forward was a licensing agreement where that graphic designer could actually license uh, her right to be able to continue the usage of it. But we couldn't agree to a percentage, so my client decided that she wanted to just take the L. So your client could have agreed to um, each with each sale, a percentage could have gone to that designer? Correct, like a licensing fee, yeah. Got it. Okay, and so I'm, I just I want to make sure I hear what you're saying. So let's say, for example, I'm just trying to talk this through in layman's terms. Mm -hmm. So let's say I launch a website today to sell a T-shirt, and I throw a logo up on there, and then, you know, I've sold – 1300 of them and six weeks later you message me and you say um excuse me this is my logo for my business in um you send me a formal letter so but then i go and find out that you have never registered this design or copyright so i don't want to be an asshole but basically there's no you don't get to walk away scotch-free okay but it just means that now i have to file the registration i have to pay for the legal fees and i have to prove my damages now, if I would have filed for the registration when I was supposed to, then you would pay for my legal fees. The court, you know, awards me statutory damages, meaning I don't have to prove how much money I lost. They just assume that there is a loss. 
and I'm able to bring a suit sooner than later. So what's the difference between, I hope I don't sound like an idiot, so trademarking slogans and uh, things that are particular to your brand, whether it be colors or logos or um, versus like copyright? When is it? So copyright protects the literary, literary work of authorship, like so, um, and they have to be original as well. Same with trademarks, but um, think of it as anything that you can um, see or, or read or, or visualize um, in terms of, of it being tangible as, as a copyright. Um, and there's six categories in which you can register a copyright. Mm. I could sit here and talk about the legalese aspect of it, but it's just going to bore you to death. And <laughs> so I'd rather not do that. Um, right. But this is why it's important to have a business lawyer on the front end, right? So that they can identify all of your intellectual property rights, not just your trademarks or just your copyrights. And really, your job as a business owner is really to know when to hire somebody, right? Like for me, I know a lot about taxes, but am I going to do my own taxes? Absolutely not, because I don't care to keep up with the tax code, right? Right, Um, right. I I don't care. So for me, I'd rather go to the expert that's going to say, this is the new tax code, this is the new, you know, deductions, although we're not getting deductions this year, but that's all right. (laughs) Um, but, you know, at least have them do their job because it requires a license to do their job. Mm. So anything that requires a license to do, it's not a DIY project. Like, I'm never going to be a general contractor in my house. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, right. I watch HGTV all day long and all the YouTube videos, and I promise you my house will still collapse. <laughs> so I just know not to – I know what my area is, and I know where not to delve into. So I always tell people, like, don't try to do this yourself because it's not a DIY project. It really requires a license um, to do all of this legal work. And in fact, if other people are doing it for you, it's unauthorized practice of law. And, you know, the Florida Bar has been going down on a lot of the CPAs that are doing, you know, business formations because they're not doing the governing documents part of it, which is essential, you know, uh, part of having business formation. Um, So you have to understand who to hire and for what. You said something uh, last time I saw you in front of uh, to the women's group we were speaking to, and you said something about just because you registered an LLC does not mean you have a legitimate business, that there's more. Um, yes, so just because you registered an LLC doesn't necessarily mean that you have indemnification from personal liability. And what that means is we create business entities to protect our personal assets from the reach of our business creditors. So registering on SumBiz is just telling where a plaintiff can sue you because all you're putting on there is your name and your address and who to send the, the service of process to, right, which is your registered agent. Right. That's all you're doing. Um, you need the governing document that's actually going to protect you from um, personal liability. So in the event that there is litigation, you're able to prove to the court that there is a separation between you and the company. So where would one find these governing documents? you hire a lawyer to do it because there's no one size fit all. Um, so, you know, each company is structured differently and is managed differently. Um, I don't typically draft the same uh, agreement for each company, even though it might be two or three partners, it might be the same exact people, but they want to manage it differently. They want to have different provisions in there because it really talks about what rights you have in the company, what ownership interests you have in the company, Um, what happens in the event that you decide that you want to dissolve the company, Um, what happens in the event like your partner gets divorced, is there now, you know, ex-partner going to be your partner now? That Mm. happens. You know, what happens in the event that you pass away, God forbid, like who's going to 
step in to wind down your company, you know, like all these things you can account for on the front end so that you understand the structure of your company and it creates a separation between you personally and the company. So if you're a little guy that's just a one man show, you know, that can get the lines can get blurred very easily. So if someone sues you and you don't have the proper protections or the proper formalities in place, then it's easy to pierce the corporate veil, which is just like a fancy way of saying we're going to come after your personal assets. Yes. Yeah. They can't be mixed together. That I've seen. Correct. And, and there's formalities in how you go about doing business. Um, and so that's, that's where your business lawyer is going to educate you and make sure that you have the proper understanding of how to handle your business as, uh, you know, an owner and not necessarily as the business. Don't don't roll over this either because I've get I've seen people get sued for the in, the most insane, ridiculous things where you feel like you did nothing wrong. I've seen people's pockets get turned upside down. Yeah. Um, being sued for buying a suing someone for buying a, a product or a service, getting exactly what they uh, paid for, but feeling and finding some way to determine that they actually didn't get what they paid for, and and suing the the service provider. So. Right. Yeah. You've got to be careful. Definitely, yeah. I mean, and, and to me, I, I always tell people, like, at least ask questions. Educate yourself. At the bare minimum, educate yourself because that is the power is, is that. Um, and when you know better, you really do better. Facts. Before you start, you know, getting cute and, and all excited to call yourself <laughs> a CEO because that's really what people do. They're just like, I'm a CEO, but it's like, of what? You know, like, what is it that you're doing? You know, like, what, what things do you have in place? Um, and I see this across all, like, it doesn't matter if they have no money or it doesn't matter if they have, like, eight figures. Like, I have some clients in eight figures that I'm just like, why are you just now showing up to me? Like, I just don't understand. Um, and to them, a lot of times, because you want to hire a lawyer that's business savvy, too. You don't right. want to hire someone that's just always thinking from a legal perspective. Right. Because that can also kill deals um, and mm. it can slow down a lot. Um, so for a lot of times, business owners will get, like, you know, turned off by business attorneys because they're just like, this is taking way too long. I'm trying to like move, I'm trying to rush. Um, and they're just like, we don't understand what the, why this is taking that long. Right. Um, a lot of times it takes a business savvy attorney to understand what the bottom line is and be able to say, these are like our non-negotiables and these are the things we're willing to give up on. I'm going back to the LLC thing and I'm thinking, so if it's literally idea, formation, LLC, and then governing documents. I think that 99% of people probably don't have those governing documents. But don't even register the business yourself because I've even seen people register it like wrong. Ooh. So literally you're saying it's appropriate for someone to come into you and say, I'm ready for a consultation and I want to register my business as an LLC. Can you help me? And hiring you. Correct. Got it. Yeah, myself included. I think I've messed that up. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, I always say, like, you're always okay until something goes wrong, but you never know when that day comes. No idea. So it's kind of funny because when people come to me, they're just like, oh, my God, I haven't been able to sleep. Um, my business has been running for a year and a half or whatever it might be. Um, if they're a startup that's pretty savvy or this is like their second or third business, they come to me right after they're done with their business plan. But if they're someone that's this is their first business, I typically don't see 